Welcome in to the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. Jay, can you believe that, let's see, in 11 days, the regular season is actually going to be over? Um, No, because it's, I, I mean, as we speak, the Astros haven't even played their 50th game yet. Uh, <laughs> so it feels kind of crazy. But at the same time, teams are already clinching playoff spots, which seems even crazier. So, um, yeah, just just wild wild times as as they've been for months now. Um, the Astros and Rangers series were speaking after the second game. Um, so some of you might listen to this have, having seen the third game, but um, you know, since our last episode, I don't think there's much that's that's yeah. le- led to a change in opinion of of the quality of of this team right now. Would you say? I would agree with that, and I was thinking about it in context of some of the things that you've written and some of the things that we've talked about uh, on the podcast. You know, I mean, the the series as of Thursday morning stands 1-1, but I was looking at like the last week and a half, and really since uh, the Angels series, and and this is something that I know you specifically wrote about, when we look at the underachievement of the Astros in 2020, a lot of it does come down to not just, you know, a, a bullpen that's not that good and filled with young pitchers and, and rookies, but also the fact that the offense has not really been producing and it hasn't really produced in the last week and a half, you know, minus basically the, the comeback against uh, Kenley Jansen last Saturday, even in the first game against Texas, you know, it took him a while to really kind of break through. And while I actually thought Kyle Gibson was legitimately fantastic on Wednesday night. I thought he pitched really, really, really well. Uh, it, it It's kind of a microcosm of what 2020 has been for the Astros and the offense. Yeah, and then they, they lose on a Ryan Presley giving up a run, which has happened more often this year than, than we're used to seeing, too. Um, yeah, the offense, I mean, they were bad the night before also on Monday night. Um or Tuesday night, whatever day of the week it is. I don't know anymore. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean, so there's this stat called OPS Plus that um, takes OPS and basically adjusts it for uh, ballparks. And 100 is average. And the Astros now have four players who are below average in their everyday lineup uh, on OPS Plus. And that's Gurriel, Correa, Reddick, and Altuve. God, now I'm going to feel even worse about my my Gurriel take. On, <laughs> He's on at 99 morning. if it makes you feel any better. Okay, that, that, that could be worse. I mean, that, that, that's kind of amazing considering at this point, at this moment, Jake, the Astros actually have their lineup. Like they have, the, now they have their guys healthy and that stat still is in existence. Now, maybe they've gotten unlucky a little bit. I saw AT&T Sportsnet Southwest put up a graphic the other day about Come George on. Springer's expected batting <laughs> average versus what it actually is. <laughs> um, so maybe, I mean, like all the stats on there are pro Astros, so you can't really... Uh... Well, that one I can that one I can buy because I I believe in like the expected batting average, like I, I especially over a smaller sample size. You know, I I can I can live with that, especially because you know Springer's slugging four eighty seven, which is probably below what he typically is, but it's not dreadful. Um, he's not the like, issue. I mean, he's been he's yeah, been he has fine. not been the issue. Yeah, um, he has not been the issue. I agree. But I mean, yeah, I just. Uh they're not going to ever show a negative stat on those broadcasts. Um, My issue actually with the broadcast is I, I should have set a timer to this. On Wednesday night, it took them like 10 minutes to show the last out of the game, which was an <laughs> interesting out because 
Alex Bregman was on second. You had a pitcher trying to get a shutout, a complete game shutout. And by the way, the games matter a lot at this point. So Kyle Tucker smashes a ball to the right side, which is caught by Ronald Guzman, a really nice play. And they immediately go to the postgame show. Then they go back to Todd and Jeff Blum. And then they go back to the postgame show. And it's only until the highlights of the game that I see the last out of the game. What am I missing here? Like, I, I like the broadcasters and everything, but I don't know who's directing that thing. Like, how... It's the end of the game. Someone just hit hit a ball really hard that should have been a hit 90% of the time, and I don't see it for 10 minutes, and I can't just go somewhere else to watch it because nobody's going to have it on. Nobody's going to, like, clip it to Twitter that quickly. What is going on? Maybe you could go on MLB TV and rewind. I guess I, 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 guess I could. MLB Honestly, th- this is really stupid of me to say this because... I have a DVR, but it's the principle of the thing, damn it. Yeah. It's the principle. Replays like, in, in baseball, me- I feel like, have gone... They, I feel like they show less replays or fewer replays than they used to. Well, if you're at the game, it's a it's a total disaster. And it's not just a baseball thing, by the way. It's a basketball thing, too. The, the replays are just an abomination. Uh, I think in-stadium replays... I mean, this is less of an issue in during COVID-19, but... It's almost like they make the viewing experience worse where if I'm at the game, I feel like I'm less knowledgeable than if it was uh, than if I was in my house watching on TV. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, the, Kyle Tucker did hit that ball hard. And I know people were pointing to that as unlucky, but they also had a couple hits that were pretty lucky earlier. Right. Um, yep. So I think it all even not, ma- not yeah, not many of them because there weren't many, but yes. Yeah, a couple, um, a couple of the four. Yeah, I, I don't really understand their offense. I can't explain why they're so mediocre slash, you know, I mean, even below mediocre now. I think yeah. they're, they're they're below average and batting average on base percentage and slugging now. Um, it doesn't really I, make I sense. I don't get it either. I know if we were doing like a like a national podcast, people would point to sign stealing and the trash can and such. But I don't. I don't really think. I don't really think it's that. No. Um, I, I think. I think. It, I think with Altuve, it could be a mental thing. I mean, he's just had a, a bad season. We've we've talked about that ad nauseum. I, I I don't know how to explain it either. I I, I do not. I, I think part of it is not being able to put things together uh, on a night in night out basis. Like the offense was good in the Angels series, and they lost all those games. Um, and then the offense has basically fallen off a cliff since that point. It, it, it's it, you go up and down the lineup, and it's it's hard to figure out because you know Brantley has had a good season. Uh, Tucker, although he struggled a bit recently, has had a solid season up to this point. You know, Gurriel could be better, I guess, but it's not like he's been dreadful. Um, and Correa's problem is that he's just not you know driving the ball anywhere. Yeah, Correa has eight doubles and four home runs in 170 plate appearances. That's that's not enough for a guy of, of his talent level. Um, I agree. Yeah, Reddick's been Reddick, right? Like, this is kind of what he's been the last three years. Um, yep. Not too much of a surprise there. Maldonado's been better than you'd expect. He's been above average as a hitter. and, and Definitely. You know, you would expect him to just kind of be a, a glove. Um, Bregman's been, you know, more than 100 points worse in OPS. I think maybe, you know, he's at 833. I mean, I think he was pushing... A thousand at points last year, right? Um, I'm trying to remember what he finished at. I think his season is tougher for me to he evaluate. He was a thousand because, last year. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's down almost 200 points. So he, the only reason I, I kind of take Bregman out is because he got off to a bad start like Altuve, but 
Unlike Altuve, Bregman, by the time he got hurt four weeks ago, was really playing well. He's come back and then initially struggled and has looked better the last couple of nights. So for him, like the, the fits and starts, I'm not really as clear on how to analyze his season. I would just say if you're playing a 60 game season, like of those 60, they're not getting as much as they need to from Bregman. But I can kind of give him a pass based on the injury and the slow start. That's where I'm at with him. We're going to have to revisit our over under soon, too, because I feel like I all of them are under. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't Altuve, was, Altuve was six homers, right? And he's had like th- he's been stuck on three for like six weeks. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. It, it has been a while I think since that Bumgarner home run, right? Like it's that's I was thinking about that last night. Yeah, I was like, I think the last time he hit a home run was Arizona. So maybe this weekend if they face Bumgarner again, whose velocity is down like four miles an hour. Um, yeah. Would you think of uh, so like it's it's weird because like, you know, it's not really the talking point after a one nothing loss. But like Lance McCullers, you know, I texted you yesterday that I felt like it was a really important to start for him. And he was maybe yep. the best he's been all year. And, you know, we, it's going to get lost a little bit because they lost and the offense was so bad. But. But what do you think of, of his performance and also Jose Arcidi the night before? Both were really good performances. This might have been Lance's best start of the year. Um, it, it's probably this and then the the Giants game that he took a no hitter into what, like the, the sixth or seventh, seventh inning into. And, you know, I'm sure I'm sure on Wednesday night, he's probably on some sort of pitch count because, you know, Lance might be able to go more than 86 pitches because he has over the course of the season, maybe not way more. Uh, I thought his command was good. He was obviously using his curveball a lot more and seemingly really easily able to drop it in for strikes. Uh, his command was good. Uh, they didn't really threaten much. Um, and if they did, it was kind of off of, off of soft contact more than hard. If Lance wants to pitch and start in the postseason, if the Astros make the postseason, that's as good as you could expect. We'll get right back to the show after this quick break. Yeah, it was almost like um, 2017 first half McCullers with the curveball mm-hmm. usage. I mean, his curveball hadn't been that good. I'll, you know, I think there was one start at home in there where it was pretty good, but I hadn't seen it this effective uh, in a while. Uh, and, it, you know, he wrote it, right? He threw it more than his fastball. He barely, yep. barely threw his changeup, and he was kind of the close to the two-pitch guy that you, you saw a few years ago, um, getting a lot more, you know, swings and misses and strikeouts and – uh, the curveball was just, you know, he could do whatever he wanted with it. Um, yeah, I think it, you know, it's, it's, I'm kind of hypocrite in this next statement because I do think it was a really important start for him. But I also think with both him and Urquidy, we do have to keep in mind that this is the worst lineup in the AL that they're facing with the Rangers. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, I think that has to be considered. No question about it. Uh, and that, that's crossed my mind the last couple of nights. Um, but, if it is a bad lineup, then all you can do is ask your guys to go out there and pitch well. I, I thought command w- was good for both guys. Like, especially if you look at Orkiti, his first start against the Angels, he was too amped up for obvious reasons, a little all over the place. I thought he was much more in control when he needed to be in the strike zone or around it on Tuesday night. I thought he was easily able to do so. And I, I know Jake, he said after the game that he felt like the, the tank was not empty, that he could have gone longer if he needed to. Yeah, both guys command, and I don't think either of them walked a guy, right? Um, which has been the, That's correct. the big issue for this pitching staff this year. Yeah, the uh, yeah. So the the last, so it's been a while since, since uh, the Astros. Well, Ryan Presley obviously issued a walk on Wednesday, but otherwise, it's been pretty good in that department recently. 
Yeah, because they haven't had to use the bullpen as much, um, or they've gotten away yes. with, without using it. Um, <laughs> well, if we look at the overall situation, and I again, I, I am not at the point, and I've been like this for two weeks. I, I know I, I look at ESPN every day, and, I, and they have the Astros 97% to make the postseason. It doesn't feel that way to me, but who the hell knows? It feels more like 80 or 85%. Uh, so I'm not guaranteeing like that they make the playoffs. The way it looks right now, so here's what I am thinking, and tell me what you think, Jake. So Zach Greinke in game one or two, Justin Verlander in game one or two, just depending on if he's obviously healthy and able to pitch. When it comes to whoever starts game three, I think it really all comes down to what the next week and a half looks like. Um, maybe you disagree with that, but I just want to keep seeing, I want to see the next couple starts. It'll, I think it'll be two each for Urquidy, McCullers, and then Framber Valdez. And I want to see what they look like. And then I'll make the decision based on the recent results. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think I think I agree that I want to see how each guy does, especially McCullers pitching on the road, um, which I I yep. can't decide if I if I believe in the home road splits or not, because it's such a short season. But they are you can't ignore them, given how drastic they are. Um, and especially over over his career, that that's been a big thing. Yeah, but um, I also they showed a graphic last night on your favorite channel about Roger Clemens at Minute Maid Park and Lance McCullers at Minute Maid Park, and they were actually pretty similar. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah i I think it also depends on the matchup a lot and which ballpark they're playing in. Um, if it's the A's and they're playing at the Coliseum. I think Arkady has a better case because, you know, it's a he, more he first of all, he's pitched well against the A's the last two years. Um, yep. You know, he, he just seems stylistically to fit that better. He's more of a fly ball guy. Um, and then the other two guys are more like the ground ball pitchers, where if they're playing in a smaller ballpark um, that's more hitter friendly, I think you would go with one of them in Urquidy and McCullers. Although McCullers last night was, was more of the strikeout guy and less of the ground ball guy. Although he, he did get yes. some of those as well. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's going to depend on who's the hot hand, but also the matchup. Um, I guess at this point, it's probably the, um, it's probably the A's or the Rays. I'm trying to think of like what other scenario, I guess the White Sox could fall into there. Cause it, the top three, the division leaders are all relatively close in the standings. They are relatively close. We should also note, I realized this um, last night, you know, with the way Cleveland's playing, that second wild card could actually be in play as the Indians, for whatever reason, seem to be imploding. Uh, but most likely the Astros either are in as the number six seed because that's the second place team in the, in the AL West uh, or they're not in the playoffs whatsoever. So obviously the six will play the three and you look at the standings. I mean, it's it's within two games, the White Sox, Rays and A's. Uh, I would tend to think that it'll be either the White Sox or the Rays who win the best record. So I, I think I think it'll be the A's most likely in the three six. Yeah. If we can project things a week and a half out, I, if I had to put money on it, I think it would be Oakland. Yeah, I, I think that's what the odds would suggest. Um, so say they're playing at the Coliseum, a t- uh, yep. an A's lineup without Matt Chapman. Um, yeah, I mean, Valdez has also pitched well there against them. He had that one start earlier in the year where I think the semi and home run to lead off the game was the only run he gave up or 
um, close to it. Um, yeah, I think all three guys have a real case for it, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with your take that it's going to depend on these last week and a half, last two weeks. And um, But I also think, you know, if, if I've learned anything the last few years on setting playoff uh, rosters, the matchup matters a lot more than we sometimes give credit for. Yeah, I think that's pretty logical. And one thing I wonder at this point, like the the closer that we get to the last couple of games of the season, really deciding things. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. The Astros have four games before they start the big series uh, in Seattle on Monday. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's going to be that's going to be like the series, essentially. Um, I mean, you look at that and, you know, listen, there's a chance that the Astros could win four or five of those games. And if they do that, depending on the order and depending on what they do, then the the second second place could be wrapped up. But there also is the realistic chance, uh, Jake, that they're playing for their lives in Texas those last four games of the regular season. And I wonder what their decision-making, what their thought process is internally on who's going to start those games and what that series is going to look like. Yeah, I'd have to look at who's lined up for it. I mean, they're not going to have much of a choice because they have to play as if they're fighting for their lives every game this last week and a half. Yeah, because I'm just thinking like, unless they basically, let me look at this. Let me count this up. All right, Texas won then three, so four. They play seven games. Uh, they play seven games until next Thursday when they're at Texas. And unless they almost run the table, I mean, if they win, like, let's say, two of the next four and then they sweep Seattle, well, they probably, barring something really surprising, like they've won the second place uh, spot. But there's... I don't know. The, the point I'm making is there's a really decent chance they wake up a week from now and they still have not clinched a playoff spot. And I'm looking at what ESPN has projected and they've got Javier or Keaty McCullers, which obviously means like that Thursday is kind of an open an open date, if you will. Javier or Keaty McCullers want, for when? They've got. Uh, tell me if this makes sense because you are you are far better at the schedule stuff <laughs> and lining up pitchers than I am. They've got Javier Thursday the 24th or Keedy Friday, the 25th and then McCullough Saturday, the 26th. Um, I don't think that's, I think that's far from set. Cause we don't know when Verlander is going to be slotted in. And I want you to kill ESPN's projections right why, now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why there you even project that far out. If you know, like on paper, like I feel like you have to, we don't even know who's starting this weekend yet. Officially. Um, Cause they've gotten oh, because they've got what? We don't know who's going to start Saturday. Right. I mean, I assume it's Grinky, Javier, Keedy this weekend, but we, as of taping, we don't know that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I think projecting out a week is a little, especially like because they might have clinched and they could tweak things. I, I don't, I don't really know uh, or where ESPN's getting that. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, we'll be thinking about it this way. Right now, they have what, 11 games left and they're basically mm-hmm. a three game lead because it's two plus the, the tiebreaker plus the yeah the, yeah so let's say they win three out of four in the rest of the homestand and the mariners go 500 that that's a game and then they win two of three against the mariners um that's another game and there's only four left so that would be pretty much clinching like i, I don't think it's gonna that- take much for them to given the soft schedule and the Mariners difficult schedule for them to 
to get there before the Rangers series or at least before the final weekend. It would be really nice for the Astros to start, you know, winning some, you know, win, let's say, as you mentioned, three of the next four, just to go win Monday against Seattle with a little bit of breathing room against that team. And and by the way, they're also lucky that there are no fans in the stands because Seattle hasn't made the postseason since what, 2001? I think I actually attended the last Seattle Mariners playoff game in Yankee Stadium. And wow. I imagine in a, in a normal season, in a normal season, like those people would be packing that place to the gills and all sorts of fired up for that series. Now I'm going to look up the box score from the last Mariners playoff game. What was what were you wearing? Were you wearing like a, a Jeter, a Jeter jersey? No, I, I was not actually a Yankee fan. My dad's company had tickets, and I, I'm pretty sure that was the last time they made the playoffs, right? Seattle has not made the playoffs since 2001. I believe you. I don't know for sure, but I believe you. So that was game six. Andy Pettit versus the, Aaron Seeley. Yeah, that was game that was game six of the uh, of the ALCS. Uh, the Yankees ended up clinching the pennants, and David Justice hit a big home run that night. David Justice. No, no home runs for David Justice. A double for David Justice. Uh, I mean, I mean, the memory. Yeah, I for for nineteen years I thought it was a home run. <laughs> yeah, uh, Andy Pet, Mike Stanton pitching that game. We should get him on to talk yes. about it. Yes, um, and Mariano Rivera closed it. Yeah, it's been a while for the Mariners. So you're right. That would be um, an exciting time for those fans. Uh, you know, not maybe not as much on the the Rangers leg of the road trip for the Astros. Although, I think in a alternate universe, Rangers fans would have showed up just to boo the Astros this year. Oh yeah, they would have loved to have played spoiler in that kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think the Astros will end up clinching um, the twenty fourth or twenty fifth is my guess, and I think they'll be able to line up the rotation a little bit, maybe give Luis Garcia a spot start in Arlington to save from Valdez for the playoffs. Um, but we'll see. I, and I, I think they probably can't really look that far ahead. They kind of have to take it as cliche as it sounds like series by series to see oh, yeah. uh, how it's going and, and where Verlander slots in. Um, you know, Dusty Baker made it sound like they won't really have the next step for Verlander until Friday because they wanted to see how his arm responded to Wednesday's session. And so whether his next step is a start or another simulated game, we're not sure. But um, that will change the rotation if he does slot in there somewhere. And um, presumably Javier would be the one going to the bullpen. We'll get right back to the show after a word from today's sponsor, Indochino. Hi, I'm the Athletics Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously it's fantastic. You go to Indochino. They have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself. Uh, you have every measurement you have, uh, who your favorite beetle is, uh, you know what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule, and uh, and then you come out and and they're they're going to send you 
uh, clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. It's it's fantastic. Uh, with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear. Uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and a monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at checkout. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. JOE at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com, and the promo code is JOE. That makes sense to me. By the way, one thing for Astros fans to keep an eye on this weekend is, you know, Houston's playing Arizona, which should be an easier series, although you know, you can never know it with the way that the Astros have played in the last month or so, or especially the last two weeks. Meanwhile, Seattle is going to be playing San Diego and both Chris Paddock and Mike Clevenger will start. I know Paddock has not been great this season, but it, it's something to keep an eye on because that could that is it that is a situation this weekend that could easily be going in you know one direction depending on how Houston plays against Arizona. So just something to, something to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Padres are still very good, even though they lost they are. to and the Dodgers a couple of times. But there's no shame in that. <laughs> There, yes, as as we know. One thing I did want to mention before I, I want to hit on a couple of things with, with the playoffs and some wrinkles. Tell me if this is a crazy theory uh, that I have. I was looking at the postseason standings that you and I were just talking about, and the fact that the A's are more likely, most likely at this, maybe not most likely, uh, but of the of the three division winners, most likely to be the third seed uh, in the AL playoffs. The AL West number two, the second place team would be then the sixth. Is there any incentive for the A's to tank the last couple of games of the season in order to play Seattle in the first round or in the wild card round? Or do you think that's like messing with karma way too much? What do you think about that? I don't know if I think it would be messing with karma, but should the A's be scared of playing the Astros? I mean, they've handled them this year. Well, I don't think they should be scared of, of facing the Astros, no. But if you're telling me best of three, the Seattle Mariners or the Astros, right. who all of a sudden morph into a different team in the postseason just by virtue of the starters and, and the bullpen and, and who they can use, I'd much rather play Seattle. I mean, without a question. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if um, like I feel like you just kind of play it out. And, and if you're the Oakland A's, you set your rotation, you line up your pitching and Yep. Maybe you go lighter on some of the starts and and um, use some of your lesser relievers to save bullets, but um, your hitters are still trying to hit. Like I, I don't think you tank. I think you just kind of do what the Astros did the last few years, late in the regular season, to get ready for the playoffs. Um, yeah. And you know, if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. I don't think it's mostly out of their control. Because uh, I do think it'll be decided or all but decided before that last series, right? Okay, I'm just envisioning a hypothetical where it's not decided. Yeah, it's not by a that crazy take. Weekend. It's not a crazy take. It's not. It's not. Not yeah. an unbearable take for me. 
<laughs> Indeed. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I just wonder because, you know, the, the A's obviously they there's only so much they, they can do with the starters like they have to line up their pitching for the wild card round. Um, and you make a really good point, like the hitters, like they make their money with their stats. So they're going to try to they're going to try to hit. And even looking at the Astros the last couple of years, even when they kind of ramped down in September, since they were still really good, they still kept winning. Uh, a lot of those games. It was just something that kind of crossed my mind when I was looking at the interplay between the end of the regular season and the first week of the postseason. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm completely wrong and the Astros like are tied with the Mariners a week ago, a week from now, then I think there's a lot more discussion about this. But I'm kind of expecting, yep. given the respective schedules, that. Uh, and the current separation, like it is still three games with the tiebreaker that um, that last weekend won't matter so much. Yeah, and I think a lot of what's baked into the Astros postseason percentage right now, odds to make the playoffs, is the fact that like these next four games, uh, Texas at home and then Arizona for three at home, while Seattle is playing, even though they're also playing at home, they're they're facing a really good San Diego team. Like this is where this race for second place could really change. Now, along these lines, the playoff format has it officially been released, Jake? Yes. It's been officially released, and there are no days off during the series in the first three rounds of the postseason, which is something that is, uh, I don't know if it's a dramatic change from the last couple of years, but I would say, I would, I would call it a significant change if I'm like picking like lawyer, lawyerly words. Uh, when you don't, when in a best of, let's say, in a best of, we knew about best of three, but in a best of five, when you're going, you know, let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're going to need to have depth in your pitching in order to survive that kind of series, no matter what team you are. Yeah, you need at least four starters, maybe five. I think um, it's a I think dramatic is a is a apt description for it, because you think about last year, for example, in the DS the Astros were able to, it didn't work out for them, but they were able to bring back Justin Verlander, their game one starter for game four um, on short rest. On short rest. So they, yeah. they only used yeah. three starters in the five game series. You couldn't do that this year. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to, it's going to reward the teams who have more starting depth um, and expose the teams who, who don't. But I think it's also going to expose, I think, especially in the seven game CS with no days off, uh, the teams with the bad bullpens are really going to be exposed. Boy, it's fascinating. I mean, think about that. If you're playing in the ALDS and it's a Monday through Friday series, I say that because it's the easiest one for me to keep track in my mind. Like, <laughs> it's not. You, <laughs> you, uh, you obviously need four starting pitchers. And then like, if you're bringing back the game one starter, let's say to start game five or even to play a role in game five, it's going to be on short rest. Yeah, and I think this is why the Astros should start Greinke in game one, right? Because, you know, asking Verlander to start on short rest for a game five coming off of an injury does not seem smart. Um, or they could just go five man. I mean, they, they have five starters now. They have six starters now, really. Uh, yeah, they, they or seven if you count at, at Garcia. At this point. Uh, yeah, and like at, at this point, like this actually might help out the Astros if they make the postseason because and they somehow advance this far because they actually have a number of options to start those games. Yeah, they would be in good shape with the rotation, but terrible shape in their bullpen, which is kind of, you know, 
what what they've been in lately, right? Boy, ima- um, ima- again, imagine Dusty Baker with a scenario where you're playing, you know, four or five playoff games in a row and what the pitcher you is, is going to be. I feel like Umberto Castellanos would make a comeback and be put into a big spot somewhere along the line in that kind of situation. When's the last time Brad Peacock pitched? I feel like they forgot he was on the team. That's a that's a great point. That what that is a great point. And like I think Anoli went a while without pitching before yeah, Wednesday he did. night. Um, I mean they had those two off days, so that's a big part of it. But um, he hasn't pitched in a week, Brad Peacock. Yeah, that's probably not great. Like for a guy coming just coming back. Yeah, um, that is a weird one. That I had not even really considered, but you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, anyway, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Castellanos is, is not on the active roster right now, so... He can't use um, him now, but I'm just saying, like, you, you never know when Castellanos will make a comeback and inevitably be put into a weird situation where he's got to get pressurized outs in high-leverage moments. Yeah, yeah, closer. I mean, they they, they have a, they might have a closer issue, so um, maybe he's the new guy. Well, I saw, um, I saw our friend uh, tweeted us on Wednesday night, Jeremy Kaufman, and he asked, you know, is, is, is this the end of Presley as a closer? No, they don't have any other options. And, you know, Presley is... Jeremy not- needs to get a, an avatar picture, by the way. Fair like, point. He can't... The, the egg... He's too smart with his tweets for the egg, the egg stuff. Yeah, they, you feel like once you see an egg, it's, it automatically, like, reduces... <laughs> your initial thought of what the of what the tweeter might be exactly yeah I mean, yeah sorry I interrupted no you. that's okay i mean listen presley has not had a great season i'm not going to kill him for wednesday night because you know while the ball was hit hard you know yuli should have gotten the first out and that would have basically ended the inning um as it turned out even though that would have been the first out uh presley has not been great this season but i mean uh, when i look at the bullpen there's not there, there is certainly not any other obvious candidate where i'd say yeah well they can they can take Presley and put him into a seventh or eighth inning role and bring in this guy to be the closer, because I don't think there is a, this guy on this roster right now. Yeah. That's something over the last few years, whenever there's a closer controversy, you have to consider, okay, who, who's the better alternative. Right. And the, and like you said, there isn't one this year. Um, you know, I think the 2018 and first half 2019 version of Ryan Presley is plenty good enough to be a closer, I agree. but he, he has not been that this year. Um, you know, and you're right. Last night was a little weird. I mean, not only the Gurriel play to that put the runner on first, but also like if Gurriel gets the out at second yep. on the ground ball, uh, then there's no runner to score on the on the gallop uh, hit, um, the ground roll double. So yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of that there, but he also he's been pretty shaky uh, for most of the year. Also, uh, Presley has. So yeah, I, I mean. Um, I guess my bigger point is that Jeremy needs to get a, a, a Twitter picture. That, that's yeah. Screw the closer situation. We need to find Jeremy some kind of photo to use. Um, there was a lot of brouhaha on Twitter this week about expanded playoffs. Yes. Um, Cause Manfred gave wh- some kind of online talk at Hofstra. Yeah. Something like that. And he said, he, he suggested that they like the playoff format or they like expanded playoffs for the future. Um, but then Ken Rosenthal's story on Wednesday night suggested that it wouldn't be the same 16 team format. It would be some kind of variation that like, like what we heard about in February, right? Where it was like 14 teams and the Mm -hmm. top seeds pick their opponents and all that. Um, either way, whether it's that or this, I don't like expanded playoffs. I think they MLB had the best playoffs outside. I mean, maybe you could argue NHL had a good playoffs, but, 
Um, MLB playoffs with the limited participants, uh, like it's hard to get in. You have to really earn it. Uh, is has been the best playoffs in sports for me. Counter argument. Do you think as it has become in vogue to tank the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and you have a number of teams notably going into seasons already trying to lose that you want to be able to have some level of expanded playoffs in order to keep more cities and more fan bases engaged over the six months of the season? I don't think the tanking is as bad as as you seem to think. I think it was. I think the Astros and Cubs set a model that many teams followed in the ensuing years, but I think we're at the point in the cycles for most of those teams where there's not as many of them actively tanking. Okay. Like I think a lot of enough of them have turned a corner to try like the Blue Jays um, where I don't think it's a huge issue going forward. Like if you think about going into 2021, who are your tankers? Going into 2021, who are my tankers? Uh, well, I need to figure out. Okay, I, I imagine that Boston is going to start to try to win here. Yeah. So I, I would not. I think the Rangers have to try because they have a new ballpark. Yeah, I think they have to try. I agree. I think the Angels obviously have to try. Seattle's kind of on the upswing. Um, uh, you know, I don't. Baltimore is still tanking. Detroit's still tanking, but they have a lot of young talent. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, you you look across the American League, and in 2021, there should not be many teams tanking. I agree. Now you look the at the Royals. National League, like I'm sure the Nationals are entering with what seems to be like a reloading sort of phase. The, the, the Pirates are like... Per- Pirates stink. Yeah, they, they, D-backs stink. Yeah. Rockies stink. But like the Rockies never tank. They just sign relievers for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I can see that. I mean, it, it obviously, you know, there, there might be some years if you look, you know, down the road, well, you'll have more tanking teams uh, that create sort of a weird competitive situation. So I like the baseball playoffs the way they have been the last couple of years, obviously. And Manfred pointed this out. The, the networks really like the, the do or die nature of the, that single game elimination. Now, I do think here's my big thing. I don't think there needs to be 162 games. Uh, I think a lot of this can be helped out by going from 162 back to 154 and expanding the playoff games and the series to make it more equitable for the teams that that get in. That that's one of my initial big takes. That I do like. I I strongly believe strongly that there needs to be 154 regular season games so we can have more games in the playoffs. Before we get back to the show, let's take a minute to hear about Liquid IV. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. 
Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Now, back to the show. See, I think baseball people uh, like their records too much for that to happen. But it's happened. Like, but, it, but it was 154 for a long time. It's not like I'm arbitrarily saying, hey, go to 140 or 130. Like this is a this is a historic number that, you know, formed the basis of the whole Maris um, Ruth thing right. back in 61. Like I'm picking 154 for a reason. I, I read in Ken's story like 156. I, I'll live with that as well. I just uh, even though it's fun to watch a single elimination, I do think it's a little ridiculous watching like you know, the Yankees and Twins or the A's the last couple of years, you know, teams that are winning high 90s and are out after nine innings like that. That seems a little uh, frivolous and flimsy, flimsy to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was pretty fun before. <laughs> like, no, I mean, the, I don't, the, the games have the been stakes, fun. The stakes are pretty high and it's the wild card games are always really fun to watch. And um, I don't know. I just think it would have if you're letting 14 teams in, let's say that's what they do. Yep. Um, it just gives owners and GMs more of an excuse to not spend money and not make trades. And Why is that? Settle for, for Why is that? Because their playoff odds would be so much higher. Like it's why we saw such a weird trade deadline this year, right? Like all these teams set up oh, the best of three is going to be a crapshoot either way. So you know why should I give up my prospects just to barely change my okay. odds at all? Um. Yeah, I just think like you would see a lot less action in the offseason. You would see teams just kind of being like, yeah, my roster is good. It's fine. And, and just roll the dice basically because they feel like it's a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, exactly. Because hmm. well, it's, it's luck, you know, like when there's that many teams, like obviously you need skill to win, but so much of it is luck. Yeah, I, I can't deny that. I mean, if, if I were to expand the playoffs, one thing I would definitely do uh I think what they did this year makes sense, just given how weird the season is. Um, now, what I would do is I would ensure that the top seed gets, and I encourage everyone to check out Ken Rosenthal's story because it has a lot of good details and an interesting proposal that Bob Costas put out there via Jerry Reinsdorf. And I think the key really is if I'm going to go to seven playoff teams in each league, I want to give the top seed some kind of big reward for having that kind of record. And so I think if it's seven, you need to give that, I mean, you, you need to give that top seed a buy into the, um, into the division series round. I, I think that needs to happen. Yeah. I like that because we've seen um, in recent years that the like teams don't really value the one seed versus the two seed versus the three seed. Yep. Right. Yep. Because it's all the same. Um, you know, I remember people getting upset that the Astros weren't trying hard enough for the one seed, right? Because they wanted the home, they wanted to secure the home field advantage for the whole playoffs. Yeah. Even though, like, the one seed might lose before the ALCS, right? Like, and it might, you might have it anyway. Yep. Like, they, the teams clearly never valued that um, as much as fans did. Um, and that's because there wasn't really a huge benefit to it. Home field advantage is overrated. Um, well, let me, well, and this this year, like, there's really no benefit to winning your division at all, you know, because the top two teams get in. Yeah, well, this this playoff format this year is a little wonky because now you look at the, the playoffs in the American League and you're probably and if you're some of these teams, you're thinking like, well, wait a second, like if you're 
when you look at the fact that the second place team is baked in uh, to be uh, four, five, and six, well, that might be a little bit unfair because the wildcard teams, like they are uh, as of Thursday morning, are better than the Astros record-wise, like Toronto and Cleveland. So that's not fair to the White Sox and Rays who have to face better teams in the first round. Right. Well, but like, I don't know, like if you're the... If you're the Dodgers and the Padres, like you're, you're two of the best teams, you are the two best teams, right? In yep. the NL, uh, and you're in the same division. Um, I don't know. I just think like we need to, like, like what you said, we need to incentivize winning. Yes. Right. And and getting the best record you possibly can. I'm gonna throw out a, a quasi radical idea. Like, what if you just did it based on record? What if you just instead of just just got rid of divisions? Yeah, if you did it like the NBA does, essentially, where it's all about the record and and like people don't even know what the divisions are. They're not, they're not going to do that because the divisions are too important in baseball. But that's just a thought that kind of occurred to me. I, I'm, I like it. I'm trying I'm to cool like, yeah, I'm just trying to like keep the balance of like trying to make regular season success something that is really desirable for what the effect is on the postseason. You just want to get rid of divisions so that we don't have to stay up late for the West Coast games anymore. Yeah, well, which, it, I'm, which I'm for. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Jim Crane would be, would be for that as well. Uh, my, my, I guess my my last quick thought on this is, what do you the the Ken Rosenthal story was pretty interesting, and I think one of the things about the Casas idea is essentially that there's a real downside to being a wild card. Like in their format, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's just a little bit complicated, especially for like an audio format. You kind of have to look at it. And I read it and I still need it to like probably mentally map it out. But essentially the wild cards would be, would be playing like a couple of single elimination games. They'd be playing on the road a bunch. I know you're saying that home field doesn't matter as much. I still think it is a thing um, in, in the postseason. What about the idea of if you expand the playoffs, but you really make it tough on the wild cards with the format and maybe playing on the road for like a while. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think it should be hard, hard, a lot harder for the wild cards. Um, yeah, I have no, no issue with that take at all. What do you think of a neutral site world series moving forward? I was thinking about that this morning. Like, uh, I don't like it because I think it should be a reward for the home markets to be able to host world series games. That's fair. I, I think I agree with you. Yeah. Like, I, I just think for, for, you know, for long suffering fans or not long suffering fans, I think it's cool to be able to, you know, hypothetically uh, clinch in front of your home crowd. I, I like having the World Series in, in home ballparks. Yeah. This year's going to be weird with the. Uh, it will be weird. Yeah. The World Series at Globe Life. There's going to be an NLDS at Minute Maid. Um, you know, the Astros will probably play at Dodger Stadium uh, if they advance. <laughs> yes. Um, just weird weird times all around it is um what are we looking for so like what are we monitoring this weekend obviously besides the results like you know i I do think just bigger picture this is a a big you know i say four game stretch because that's the next time we'll be talking on the podcast but big four game stretch for the offense like they're they're facing um bad teams they they really need to hit they need to hit uh, when you look at the pitchers they're facing, they'll face Zach Gallon on Friday, who's going to be really tough because 
he's really good. They've seen him once already. And yeah, can the offense like they haven't really had a lot of, you know, even the, the comeback against the Dodgers, like they, they haven't in, in these games had like big hits that blow games open that, you know, give you some breathing room that that hasn't happened in in a, in probably weeks, essentially for the offense. So whatever Texas chooses to do Thursday night, whether Jordan Lyles, a bullpen game um, Saturday. Uh, the errors, the Dimebacks don't have a good starter going. Bumgarner has not been good this season on Sunday. So can the offense get it going before they face the big series in Seattle on Monday? That that's what I want to see. I mean, the, you know, there's a chance that th- that people are white knuckling it on Monday morning, or there's a chance the Astros have reeled off a couple wins in a row. Uh, Seattle struggled in uh, in San Diego or in Seattle against San Diego, and all of a sudden it's just a matter of time on Monday morning. So this is going to go, I think, in one of two directions here yeah when's the last time the astros had a three-run home run i feel like it's been six weeks yeah i mean it, yes um, i think that's an excellent point like they they have not had a lot of those kind of swings in, in a game i mean maybe against texas brantley probably i think yeah maybe i feel like it's been since jordan alvarez is one home run <laughs> yeah um, that's right well I'll, <laughs> I'll wrap it up here uh monday obviously a big episode because it is going to be previewing the seattle mariners series which might slash will go a long way to determining if the Astros make the postseason. Obviously, a lot of that depends on the next uh, four days. So we look forward to uh, Monday's episode. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. This has been the latest episode of the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic.